What is up, everybody? Welcome back to the Stand Up to Sitting podcast. I am your host and chief energy officer, Jeremy Abramson. And boys and girls, ladies and gentlemen, I am so excited to have one of the best in the industry here with us today. Dr. Jared Mate is one of Miami's leading concierge doctors and wellness physicians. He's an MD and has been treating patients around the world for the last decade, ranging from professional athletes to Fortune 500 CEOs. His areas of expertise include functional medicine, IV therapy, internal medicine, and holistic treatments for chronic illness. He joins us today to share many insights But before diving into health and wellness, I want to get to know this doctor a little bit better. Dr. Mate, welcome to the show. So excited for you to be here and that we're making this happen. Yeah, just to give the listeners a little background, we connected because obviously you're one of the most respected practitioners in the area and through a mutual friend, you needed a a patient of yours needed a, a trainer, a coach get them moving their bodies a little. And without even having met me, you recommended me. And then we connected and we hit it off immediately. So I'm just super grateful for having you in my life and for you being here. Um, can you just tell the, the audience a little bit about your journey of to how you're doing all these cool things and special shit? The journey up to today? Yeah, just a little starting, bit. Starting the, at uh, the Zygote. Exactly, the, the, a little elevator pitch. Yeah, so... You know, I started out not knowing what I wanted to do in life. And lo and behold, through journey work, through kind of interacting with other other individuals, I kind of discovered that I wanted to help people. And so I went to medical school and started studying just kind of like the fundamentals of what goes on in a person's body on a cellular level. And then just taking it to kind of like a, a tangible physical level of what's happening in health. And through that, I started uh, kind of understanding more and more how bodies get healed. I trained in anesthesia and I started studying more about kind of holistic medicine, yoga, and also nutrition. And through that, I started understanding more that people got healed more by doing it themselves than just by getting a treatment, especially if we catch it early on and the subtle cues to things. So I broke away from practicing anesthesia and I started studying functional medicine. And through that, really got a strong research scientific foundation for why I can treat things that are chronic diseases and even acute diseases in a way that's perhaps not accepted by the general medical community, but is founded in basic science and took that and created a practice that provides a lot of healing and health and wellness for every one of my patients. And it's been exciting from day one, every day. It sounds weird to say, but every single day is the best day of my life. And it's exciting to help anybody. So it's where I am today. Having another great day. So I love hearing that, that you're living your passion, your purpose every single day. Now you studied business as an undergrad and also got your MBA, right? Yeah, it's it's uh, it's pretty amazing because I didn't know that you were going to do that much research into me. I, of course, I yeah, always no, I always prepare. What what caused that shift is what I am curious about. 
Yeah, I think this comes down to pretty much understanding our software programming just at like a foundational first chakra level of where we're raised in our tribe and our families and our household and the society that we live in and the information that's kind of given to us of how we're supposed to think, how we're supposed to behave, our habits. And when I pretty much started college, I was under the mindset, I just need to make money. I need to go out. I need to make as much as possible. Gordon Gecko, greed is good. Wall Street, you know, just do it, develop, build big. And I did a five-year MBA, finance and accounting as an undergrad. And then I started four businesses in college, uh, happened to sell one of them. And then after college, took a consulting job with a big multinational consulting firm, got a CPA on top of that. Two years after that, I so three years total, I woke up one morning and I quit my job and I didn't know what I was going to do, but I knew that I couldn't do this anymore. There was something burning up inside of me that said, no moss. I don't care if I'm going to live on a beach somewhere and do nothing, but I can't be here anymore. Quit my job, flew to Thailand. Uh, a few months later, I decided I wanted to be a doctor. And that took a lot of kind of deep digging and a lot of quiet, introspective time. Wow. I'm mind blown right now. I can take this a lot of different directions, but I want to get a better understanding. Did you initially get into business? Was your, was your whole, were you operating from a paradigm of trying to please people, please your parents, the, the, the financial kind of keeping up with the Joneses, right? Were you in that whole framework? Were you passionate about training, fitness, nutrition, health? Was that always a big instrumental part of your life? No, not at all. Not at all. When I was, when I was young, I mean, I was fit. I was, a you know, I rode a lot. I was a captain of my crew team for two years. We were state champions. So, you know, I was doing that six days a week, four hours a day. We were, you know, going at it. Nutrition was not a big thing in my household. Nutrition wasn't big. We didn't eat fast food, but we certainly didn't talk about the health benefits of cauliflower. And we didn't talk about, you know, how important it was to drink water. It just became something we did when we got thirsty. And, you know, just as time progressed and I started realizing by interacting with others that health was something that would kind of give me the clarity to be able to understand my passion and my direction, that's when I started reintegrating you know, those things into my own life. So when you woke up that morning and you're like, fuck this, I'm quitting my job. I'm, and you had, the thing is, it's not like you were, you, it's not like you weren't succeeding. I mean, creating businesses, selling businesses, and I'm sure you were successful in bringing in a lot of money, but that internal drive, that fulfillment wasn't there clearly. Was that something that was boiling up or did it kind of manifest overnight? It wasn't overnight. I mean, I think that there are subtle cues in the beginning of it just saying, wow, this isn't the right thing for me. Um, people that I wasn't really enjoying working with being inside of an office building that I didn't enjoy working in, waking up at a time of the day that I didn't enjoy waking up in. And I think some of us, you know, would call that spoiled by, you know, having everything else that we want. And so we just want more comforts. But I think the reality is some people enjoy waking up before the sun rises and some people enjoy going to bed when the sun rises. And that's just where they feel called to do it. And for me, I just knew that these subtle cues were just not a part of the life that I wanted to create for myself. And, 
you know, I think in life we got to be courageous. We have to be able to decide what we want to do. And if we don't have that courage, then we're kind of just following in everybody else's footsteps. Right. How can someone, how can someone gain courage or, or grow their courage muscle? Yeah. So I would say courage is practiced every moment of every day. So it's not for the big decisions because big decisions are impossible to make if you haven't been practicing for them. But every day, an individual decision of being courage, courageous. And then that just kind of builds itself up. I mean, you know, you're an amazing trainer, you know, for lack of a better word. Uh, but, you know, you can you'd be the first to say that you can't just pick up a 50 pound weight and do a bicep curl. But if you stud, stuck at it for you know a year, let's say, or two years, then your muscles would start to develop to be able to do the big power lifting that some people want to do. Um, you know, we don't send people off to war uh, right when they join the army, but we train them to be able to be put in situations where they likely would not feel very comfortable, but they have to step up and they have to have the insight and the clarity to be able to make a, a decision in the moment. Yeah. No, I love that. And what was the... I just can't help but think because I'm trying to put myself in your position of like going down this one path, being all in on business, having that reputation, like being in that space, in that industry, surrounding myself with those people and then going to Thailand. What was it in Thailand that really forced you to understand the importance of health and wellness? Was it did you do? Was it that's when you were introduced to yoga? You said, right? No, before that, I was okay. started practicing yoga before that. But you know, I, I would say Thailand wasn't so much the uh, the initial flame for going into health and wellness. It was more of a place for me to go get quiet. It feels like it's on the other side of the world. And when you kind of flip to the other side of the coin, you see things from a different perspective. Um, but getting that far away allowed me to clear my head. And you know, I try to do that once a year, just clear my head as best as possible. You know, I just took a two week road trip around Wyoming, Montana, Utah, by myself in a car, meditating inside of national parks. And I, I just want to be quiet. I just want to let the wisdom shine through without kind of the meddling of the everyday life. Uh, for me at that moment, it was, and I didn't know this is something I needed, but I felt it was something that I needed. So I flew out there, kind of laid on the beach, and uh, just allowed the uh, the dust to settle and had how some long, clarity. How long were you there in Thailand? Two weeks. Two weeks. Okay. Yeah, short. So, so two weeks, yeah. What strikes me about listening to you is you seem to be, I, you don't seem to be, I know you are, very intuitive. Like you act with your heart, I feel like, and you trust your instincts, which I think is something I'm learning to do, especially from my last trip that we spoke about. And what were your, real quick, what were your, what were your parents, your loved ones response when you said like, yo, I'm done with the business, the accounting, I want to be a doctor. How old were you, by the way? Like 26, 27? 26, yeah. Okay. Um, they didn't believe that I would do it. When I told them beforehand, you know, it wasn't it wasn't a manic decision where I woke up one morning and decided I'm going to quit. The the people around me knew that I wasn't that satisfied by the work I was doing, and you know, I felt like I could do more, and I felt like more was available in this life. That by the time I quit or had discussed with my parents and brother that I was going to quit, 
they kind of challenged the fact that I would actually let go. I mean, the money was good, I, you know, corporate card, traveling a lot, meals. It just seemed like everything was going in, so to speak, the right direction. Um, but the day I did quit, I had an amazing mentor and boss at the time, and he's he's just like a, a wonderful, spiritual, religious human being. And he showed up with a lot of love that day. I walked into his office. He was the managing partner. And he said, I know your family, and I know the one concern for them is going to be you're not going to have health insurance, which is pretty funny. I became a doctor after the fact. But he said, I'm going to keep you on our payroll for another month. You go figure this out. And if you want to come back, do so. But I don't want to see your face in here for another month. I never went back, but he gave me health insurance. Are you guys still in touch today? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. He he became one of my first patients when I decided to become a doctor. So, you know, the the love and the trust came back because I think he recognized in me that I put my all into everything that I would do, whether it was in consulting or going into medicine and, you know, not just all in terms of brain power, but also in service and showing up in a powerful way for everybody that I do work for. Yeah. And thanks for sharing that. It's just crazy because it's only been 12 years since you've been in that space, like in that mindset and you're considered the top guy, like just listening to you speak and have conversations on the phone or with patients, like you're so knowledgeable and you're so compassionate. You know, I think the biggest thing from outside looking in, you know, my dad's been a neurologist for over 40 years and we have this conversation all the time. The biggest thing I see missing in the Western medicine model is the attention to the, to the client, to the patient. It's like the average, the average visit time is what, like eight to 12 minutes long. So it doesn't really allow you to build a connection with that person, to build that trust, to build that empathy and to actually find out what's going on. Right. So, no, absolutely. so I want, I'm, I'm curious just to know like what your feedback, what your thought is on that. And then how do you operate your business? How do you operate with your patients? Yeah. So, I mean, as a defense to doctors, I think people go into medicine because they have the desire to do good and help others. You know, otherwise they would, I don't know, you know, just sell paper and make money like investment bankers, not to hate them. But, you know, the reality is that I think a doctor goes through all the training and suffers through that and gives up a lot for a decade or more to be able to do good. And unfortunately, our system is built on uh, efficiencies, coding, insurance, and reimbursements. And unfortunately, doctors suffer. And I think a lot of them get burnt out. You know, there's recent uh, reports that physicians have the highest rate of suicides for professionals. And it's really a shame because their goal, and you know, I interacted with the hundreds of students in my medical school class, everybody's passionate about helping. There was no conversations about how much money we're gonna make or what we're gonna do with all of it. It was, oh my God, I'm excited to help people. But unfortunately, you know, the system is forcing doctors to spend, you know, the number you threw out eight to 12 minutes per patient. That's what happens. So that is an aside, just wanted to defend my co-doctors. I know they show up with a lot of love and they, they work really hard. Um, you know, our system in my practice is service and it's the service component that allows me to really get the trust of my patients to show up 
powerfully for them. So I'll give you an example. You know, when I started my practice, I realized that when a person's sick, they typically don't want to go to a doctor. They don't want to get in their car. They don't want to drive there, get in an elevator, wait in a chair. Room's usually too cold. Knock on the window. Phyllis is there. And she says, put your name down and we'll get you in the room. It's always you... Phyllis, by the way. Yeah, it's always Phyllis. I mean, you know, if your <laughs> name is Phyllis, you will be, you know, the front desk of, a, of an office. So here's the thing. I realized that and I said, well, how can I bring the first interaction with my patient where they feel very comfortable and they feel very supported? So kind of made the model house calls because people not only can't hide behind their habits and where they're living, but they don't have an excuse for withholding information. They're, I'm in their territory and I want them to feel very comfortable when they're opening up to me, that they're not in my walls, inside of my you know chairs. I mean, we have a great office, but they're in their happy place. They're their safe space. And I get to do some investigative work while I'm there, look through their cabinets, look mm -hmm. at, you know, what is the drink that they're having on their table? Do they smoke? You know, do they look like they're just laying on their couch or do they actually sit up in a good position? Um, you know, what are their habits? Do they have plants in their house? Does it look like they're, you know, focused on health and, and, and wellness? Do I see a foam roller in the corner? Do I see a yoga mat? Do I see any Palo Santo? What is their spiritual practice? And it, it gives me just that insight into who I'm dealing with and how I can help them best. So, you know, it starts in the house. People come to my office, obviously, as well. But it's a long conversation from the start. It's sometimes two hours getting to know them, getting to understand why they want me in their lives, what they expect from me, what they expect from their health, how they want to build it, and how I can make it work for them. So, you know, I obviously make my recommendations to them, but how do they want to start? Do they want to start from just ground floor, let's do everything, you know, put me in touch with this healer, that healer, this trainer, this nutritionist, take all my blood, urine, hair analyses. I want to know what's going on in my health so I can start today. Or sometimes it's just the patient that has strep throat and they wanted someone powerful to show up at their house and have everything delivered to their bedside and you know we go above and beyond we're kind of that that service that you would expect from uh the top top service yeah i think that's that's powerful because we're all a product of our environment mm. and it's crazy because I, I i read a statistic that the average american spends 90 percent sorry 93 percent of their life indoors whether it's at work in their home in their car and that's so alarming because you know i know the power of nature outdoors getting those negative ions from the ocean or just that pure air and so many people are neglecting these simple things and being able to be in their space like you said, provides that safety and comfort for them, but also allows you to see, okay, like they, they can't, you can call them out on their bullshit, right? Like they can't say like, oh yeah, I, I ate this, I ate that. When you rated their thing and you see cinnamon toast crunch and, and all of these other harmful foods, right? So I love that you have that personal touch and also a mindset of prevention, 
from the get-go, you talk about prevention. Even on your website, it says the mission statement, the human body is smarter than any team of doctors. Give the body what it needs and it will heal itself. So from the get-go, it's empowering the person, the human being. And I feel like so often we are, we are told that we're broken. Like we see commercials for Cialis. Hey, you can't get it up. Take this pill. You're going to have the best sex of your life or take this statin and your cholesterol, your high cholesterol is going to go. Your diabetes is going to disappear. And all of these messages were constantly being told. And I feel like you're a breath of fresh air because you're like, no, listen, like let, let's break this down. You actually have all the power within, right? You know, I do my best to blend the two. You know, right. I, 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 I respect the fact that science has done so much to uncover the, the basis of how cells work and, or at least how we think that they work up until this point and the new technologies that have been discovered. And I, I like medicine. I like the fact that we have medicines that can do what we expect them to do in a kind of an experiment of sorts that this will be the outcome every time. And that's reassuring as a physician that if you take this, this will happen and we can prevent this from going on. So, you know, part of my practice is in giving people the best of Western medicine, but a huge part of it is how can we then take a step back and say, well, what else can we be doing? What else are we not discovering? And we do some incredible tests through amazing labs, some great functional medicine labs that are out there. Uh, I mean, Genova is one we use. We use Doctors Data and Labrix. We use Quest and LabCorp. So we use a lot of big labs that have incredible technologies to say, well, what's really going on here? What are we not looking at versus just saying, oh, yeah, one marker's high. Let's treat that and see if it goes better. But the reality is that there's a lot of things. It takes a lot of colors to paint a picture. So I like to look at a lot of different elements to uh, uncover the root. Yeah, the root cause is everything. And looking in, you know, we've had discussions. I'm obviously very passionate about getting the workforce moving, implementing simple wellness strategies that people can do at work, at home, things that don't require them to make this huge shift in their life and their schedule. Because I know people have a lot of things going on. And one of those things, the reason behind the name of this podcast and the name of this platform is stand up to sitting. So movement, right? Movement is one of those big components that we all need to add more of. And so much, I believe it's 75% of healthcare spending goes towards chronic disease, right? So we're talking, you know, obesity, type two diabetes, other things like this. What are some tools, some strategies that you implement with your patients who are suffering with these chronic diseases, lifestyle habits, what, whatever it is, what are some that you found a lot of success? Yeah, absolutely. In? So I think it starts with understanding what's going on in your body. So starting with a journal of what your day looks like and writing it down. So it's not, um, oh, I think I'm eating healthy or I'm going to show up at the doctor's office. And yeah, I have a turkey sandwich sometimes and salad at others. And I, I think I work out twice a week and I've had two cups of water, but really keeping yourself to uh, the truth. 
and writing down what it is that you're doing on a daily basis. This is the time I woke up and this is what I did when I got out of bed. And this is what I did next. And this is when I had a glass of water and this is what I had for breakfast. And this is when I worked out and this is, you know, I took a moment for breathing or whatever it may be so that a person can actually realize what they're doing on a daily basis. So that's one, you know, and through that, giving recommendations to what are activities that people should be doing. You know, one of the things that I tell every one of my patients, when you wake up, I want you to put your feet on the floor and I want you to take five breaths, just five big belly breaths. Just be grateful that you're alive. And I know it sounds so kind of spiritual or, you know, just like, I don't know, fluffy, but the reality is it's a miracle that, that, all of this is working, that gravity stayed the way it is, that our bodies held together, that we didn't, you know, pass out or pass away during the course of the night. So waking up first thing in the morning with that gratitude, getting out of bed and starting your day excited, not miserable, because those, those, those thoughts that we have of being unhappy first thing in the morning, that carries through for the rest of the day. And maybe we feed those thoughts. Maybe we we unconscious of it, but you know what? I'm not feeling that well this morning. So, you know, I'm going to have pancakes and you know what? I skipped breakfast cause I was in such a rush cause I'm anxious that for lunch, I'm just going to, you know, have a Turkey sandwich and maybe I'll have some potato chips and a diet Coke. There's the beginning of the day is the most important part of the day. Cause that's what, you know, follows from there. So, you know, two things right off the bat is, journaling, understanding exactly what it is you're getting yourself into, and to waking up with that clear mind, taking those five breaths and just getting that day started in a happy, clear mood. Love that. And, you know, again, when you say something like wake up and be excited and don't be don't be miserable about your day. I understand. Jared understands that this is easier said than done, because I know some people are out there and you know, they might not be so passionate about the work they're doing on a daily basis, but, but what you touched on is something I am so big on, which is building momentum right from the get go. Mm. And just a few actionable steps you can take out there listening. We've talked about it before, but you know, again, journaling is great to build self-awareness, hold yourself accountable and build awareness to what your tendencies and habits are and where we need to shift and change them and, and really create the results we want. Also, a couple simple things. We talk about all the time, but a cold shower, just quick, finish with that thing, turn that knob all the way to the right, 15, 20 seconds. Not only is it gonna help with inflammation and your mitochondria, but it's gonna get your mind right because you're not gonna wanna do it. Trust me, I don't wanna do it. I don't want to take ice baths, but I know I'm going to come out on the other side more resilient and more abundant in terms of being able to face challenges and hardships. And then just like, just like Doc said as well, you know, hydrating, how much water are you drinking? Um, fueling, f fueling yourself for the rest of the day. And yeah, 100%. I mean, I, I would say if I had one takeaway for a person that comes into my office or, you know, I meet on the street or just is listening to the show 
drink more water. I mean, there's so many cellular processes that we're doing on a daily basis, on a second by second basis, that you got to flush those things through the kidneys. You have to get it out of the colon because otherwise it's staying in there. And if it's staying in there, it's causing inflammation. If it's causing inflammation, your body has to repair it. And if it has to repair it, then problems can happen in the repair process. So the best thing you can do, stay hydrated. Right. Just drink more water. I don't care if it's pH 9. I don't care if it's pH 7. I don't care if you're getting it from your tap as long as you live in a good water district or if you're getting it from a bottle. Hopefully it's not plastic. But the reality is I just want my patients to drink more water. And no, you don't get 95% water out of a beer. <laughs> Thanks for clearing that up. Yeah. Uh, yeah. And, and, and one thing that I always, I'm always big on too is, you know, putting a little pink or pink Himalayan salt in there to help that water retention as well. You know, especially summer, you live in a hot climate and it has 60 minerals in there. That pink Himalayan salt from the good sources is really powerful. Maybe throw a lemon in there, get a little fancy with the apple cider vinegar, get that metabolism, get that blood flowing and that water flowing. So yeah, absolutely. I mean, to touch on the point, I love pink Himalayan salt. Uh, you know, if you are eating that and that's your source of salt and you're not eating a lot of sea vegetables then you got to make sure you're getting some iodine in your diet. Cause unless the pink Himalayan salt has iodine in it, uh, your body, your glandular structures, your thyroid, your ovaries, your adrenals, these all need iodine. And unfortunately a lot of us don't get the iodine we need. So, you know, that's one of the big elements that we're testing, uh, in my practice, but you know, if you are going to be consuming salt or pink Himalayan salt, make sure that there's iodine in there or, you know, kelp and seaweed and wakame and different types of sea vegetables will have a good source of iodine in them. Awesome. Little tip. Yeah. And I'm curious to know, I'm curious to know because it's one of those misperceptions, right? From the American Heart Association in the 1970s, it all came from this guy, Ansel Keys. I think in the 40s, and he had this hypothesis that saturated fat was directly related to heart disease. So the more saturated fat you ate, the more likely you were to die of heart disease. And in the 70s, the food pyramid became prominent in the US, and a lot of people based their whole mindset and knowledge on nutrition from this paradigm mm. that saturated fat, regardless of the source is bad, that salt is bad. Um, all of these things. So can you just talk a little bit about maybe some mis some myth busting? Can we, can we, can we bust a few yeah, myths yeah, right now? Do that. Okay. Yeah. Because I really think it's important, especially I see like women, they they're checking like, Oh no, like this avocado or these, these eggs or this red meat has saturated fat. Like, and, and they're stuck in this thought process. Yeah. So, I mean, to touch on the, the saturated fats or any form of fats that we're consuming, I mean, these things get broken down, you know, the omega three, six, nine, um, and each of these types of, uh, fats sources, right. They require cofactors in order to elongate the carbon chains or shorten them or the enzymes in order to break them down and create new compounds from them. Those different enzymes and cofactors come from magnesium. They come from the B vitamins. They come from those types of sources. So <clears throat> it's not so much that any one particular fat is bad, but if we have the inability to convert it into a useful form or the next form in the step of conversion, 
then that's where we get tripped up in our ratio of omega-6 being higher than omega-3s and promoting more inflammation or our arachidonic acid levels being higher or our DGLA being low. You know, a lot of these things are science-based. I mean, this is cellular biology and this is biochemistry and being able to uh, complement our body's capacity to do these things we have the ability to do that and we have the ability to test for it. I mean, I touched about it earlier, uh, lab testing and doing sophisticated analyses on what our ratios are in our body, what levels of each of those that we have and what we should be taking. I'm not a huge fan of multivitamins. I think multivitamins are good if it's the only source, but if you can truly understand what you're deficient in and targeting those things, then you're gonna have a much better chance of having proper cellular health versus just a one size fits all for everybody that's taking it. Yeah, absolutely. What would you say are a couple common deficiencies that you see? And obviously everyone's unique, but something maybe that a listener could possibly relate to, something that you see often in your practice. Yeah, interestingly enough, I see a lot of B vitamin deficiencies and not just B12. I mean, a lot of people like taking B12, uh, which is good for energy, it's good for metabolism, it's good for neurons, like the nerve cells themselves. But that's not the only B vitamin I see a lot of people deficient. I see people deficient in thiamine, which is B1, riboflavin, which is B2, niacin, which is B3. And these also help in promoting the development and utilization of substrates like carbohydrates, fats, and proteins into energy, ATP, you know, the adenosine triphosphate. So I see a lot of B vitamin deficiencies and I like testing for these things because I want to know what to supplement for, you know, my individual patients. I also see a lot of magnesium deficiency. I don't know if it's something that people are losing in their diet. I don't know if it's because people are requiring more because of the activities they're doing, but I see a lot of magnesium deficiencies. And then the last one I see a lot of is glutathione. Glutathione is a very potent detoxification within each of our cells. Without glutathione, our cells will build up toxins within and have to deal with that in probably deleterious manners. And, you know, glutathione is something that we test for um, and we see that a lot of people have problems making it and therefore we try to supplement it. Um, oral is not always the best. So we do IV, uh, glutathione replenishment. Awesome. Is that kind of across the board, all of those deficiencies with men and women? It's interesting. I mean, I haven't done kind of like a study looking at who has more of which, um, I would definitely say that those are three of the most common ones. Like if I was going to tell anybody who's listening, which should you get tested for? One, I would say get tested for mercury because I, I can't tell you how many people I've been surprised. Great health, no problems, just want to do a full analysis and the mercury levels are 25 and normal should be less than four or not even registrable in, in whole blood. And we're seeing levels that are incredibly high and we don't even know why. They're not consuming too much fish. You know, their water sources are not from deep wells and we don't know exactly, but if you don't know, it's not an excuse for why your body's behaving in a particular way. So we got to figure out why that's the case and try to detox it from their body. 
not a huge fan of IV chelation for mercury. So we use other types of substances to get it out of their body um, through the colon and expelled. But, you know, we definitely see mercury as a major toxin. Um, in terms of men or women having, you know, vitamin deficiencies, I can't say. I would say that probably everybody equally is having difficulty getting these uh, vitamins in sufficient quantities. Awesome. That's really interesting about the mercury, especially because it's kind of been challenging to find the source of it. So how will that, how will, how will that overload of mercury manifest? Like in, is, does it cause inflammation? Does it cause some sort of brain fog? Like what, how? Yeah, would, absolutely. How I mean, you know, it's, it's hard to say if it's going to cause inflammation per se, but it certainly interrupts with the normal cellular signaling processes. Okay. And as a result of that, it can interrupt hormone production, neurotransmitter release and normal functioning of the body. I mean, it's just these things should not be circulating in such high quantities because they are interrupting and any interruptions will have downstream effects. Mm. And in regards to magnesium, because I know how important magnesium is, right? And the magnesium and sodium ratios as well, because they need to kind of be symbiotic. Um, I'm a big avocado guy and I know they have a bunch of magnesium as well as bananas have a decent amount. Any, any easy way to green leafy vegetables. Perfect. I mean, you know, also getting into uh, tree nuts, you know, being able to consume things and they also have, you know, a good amount of selenium inside of them as well. So, I mean, listen, I, I'm not a person who likes to say eat more of these and eat right. more of this in order to get your B vitamins. I like people just eating natural and understanding what it is that they're consuming. Obviously, if they have deficiencies, telling them, you know, if you don't want to take a supplement or something that's, you know, synthetically created, then yeah, we can start to introduce more things into your diet. But I think natural and whole and organic and fresh and raw, depending on your dosha, I'm not an Ayurvedic uh, practitioner, but understanding what it is that you need. I mean, the more we heat things, the more we change their structure. And the more we change their structure, the more that it changes the way that our body interacts with it and the amount of nutrients that are still available once mm -hmm. it gets into our system. Yeah, that's really important too, is like understanding these oils, even like a good oil or something you're cooking with, like an extra virgin olive oil, if you go way beyond its smoke point, then it has a destructive effect. I was, I'm just, just wondering real quick, cause you were going through those B vitamins. Can you, do you know like each B vitamin? I hope so. That's pretty impressive. Can you? <laughs> Can you just like real quick go one through 12? Yeah, let's see. Well, I don't know. Uh, I mean, I don't think there's an eight. So thiamine is B1, riboflavin is B2, niacin is B3. Then we skip up to uh, pantothenic acid, which is essentially be like B5, pyridoxine, which is B6, B7 is biotin, B8, I think it hasn't been discovered yet, B9 is folate. Uh, B10 and 11, those are also waiting for a founder. And B12 is cobalamin. That's impressive. How do I become a founder of one of these B vitamins? You just, you just claim it. You just claim, you're the new B8. Yes, let's go. You may be sued by V8, but, you know, just make sure people understand it's B. That would be pretty badass to, to make that sort of discovery. No, man, I'm like that stuff is so key. So everyone listening in right now, I think it's so important what Dr. Mate is saying because 
his, his approach, his mentality isn't to just kind of give you a cookie cutter program. That's what makes him very unique is he really likes to dive deep into each individual and find out what's going to work best for their specific situation. So if you're listening right now, be proactive, please be proactive. So if you haven't gone to a doctor, if you haven't had blood work done recently, make that happen because you might be having, you might be operating right now at so at such a level below your potential. And just by making a couple of these changes, everything else might shift in a positive direction. So really take ownership of your health and get evaluated. Yeah, I, mean, right? I can't tell you how many times I'll have a guy who comes into my practice and we think that we're just doing a basic checkup and we discover something that wasn't going to be obvious for perhaps some years but catching it early is and i'm not talking about a virus or things like that but catching something that's super early allows for us to stop it from causing downstream effects and and that's truly the reality of it that we have the science we have the capacity to understand what's going on now from a medical doctor perspective we use objective evidence, right? So we're using lab testing, we're using radiology. If I feel, you know, a cyst or whatever the mass would feel like on someone's thyroid, I'm sending them in for an ultrasound or a CAT scan if, if required. We have these great technologies, but there are so many integrative healers in the community. And I've spent the last decade trying to understand who is amazing in this space. So, you know, I can't do everything and I don't want to do everything. I want to be good at and not even good, I want to be great at what it is that I do and understanding and using intuition. But there's some amazing healers in the community that I like to refer to because, you know, they do things that are more subtle. You know, I have great pranic healers, I have great Reiki healers that use energy as a means of diagnosis and a means of healing, whether it's in, you know, one of the seven major chakras or some of the minor chakras, that we can understand really what's going on body alignment. I know that's, you know, a lot of the work that you do, but I, I, I use chiropractors. I love chiropractors. I think they serve an incredible function. And I think a lot of them think way outside the box and they do a lot of functional medicine as well. And they incorporate, you know, IV therapies and supplementation into their strategies. Um, I think that they provide a great benefit, massage therapists, acupuncture, herbalists. There's, there's a great community of people out there that are able to not only diagnose, but to be able to create awesome treatment plans. So I think people need to take it upon themselves to say, okay, step one, I want to be well, I don't feel well, or I want to be the most well that I can ever be. And who's going to coordinate that for me? So in my line of work as a concierge wellness physician, I serve as that coordination expert, so to speak, for each of my patients where they'll say, okay, ground one, ground floor, I want to be healthy. Jared, Dr. Mate, Dr. Jared, Doc Mate, whatever you want to call me, can you help me? And we start from there. And it's, you know, like the beginning of our conversation. How aggressive do you want to be? How much do you want to learn? How much do you want to uncover? And how much do you want to do with that information? So, you know, back to the point you'd made, get tested, understand what's going on, and create a treatment plan for yourself. Whether it's your own motivation every day doing your own meditation, going to a meditation class, whether doing a self-practice of yoga in your house or going to a yoga class, whether it's getting massages, whether it's, you know, going for a hike in nature, you need to have your own program, stick to it and see the results that follow. Yeah. 
No, and I love that because you're. You, it allows for flexibility. It allows for exploration, right? Like, go out there and try something different. And not everything is going to work the same for everyone else. Like for me, for me personally, you know, I'm like, I'm like a outgoing person. I, I like to be in crowds, like events and stuff. So for me, I understand like I need that quiet time, whether it's just doing movement by myself or meditating to balance, balance my energy system out. So really, again, understanding yourself and trying new things and not judging yourself if you fall on your face while you're trying to do a handstand or if you look weird doing a certain movement, like just go with the flow and understand what you respond well to, what impacts you in a profound way. Um, interested to know, I was actually recently asked this question uh, last week. Someone asked me, how, how do you define wellness? What is your definition of wellness? I'm curious to know what yours is. Yeah, I mean, I think uh, there's there's certain tenets to being well and feeling well, but I think wellness for an individual is feeling good in their own body and their own skin. So I don't think it's just necessarily nutrition, and I don't think it's just cellular health, and I don't think it's just movement. I think that there's a subtlety to feeling the best form where they're at, and I think there's a huge element of spirituality there. People being able to connect with their, their own voice and their own inner light to be able to say, I'm on my path and in order for me to do this, I need to treat my body as a temple and in so doing, I will yield the greatest wellness and health benefits for my own being. And I think that starts at the source and really tapping into that and then allowing that to come downstream and seeing that. Yeah, what is your spiritual spirituality practice look like? What is something maybe that you've implemented in the last couple of years that's really helped you evolve? Yeah, just talking about it. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> uh, I didn't pick that joke up. Yeah, sorry. no, it, it, it was <laughs> very it was, subtle. It was just a joke, you know. Um, what, what have been parts of my spiritual practice? So I would say one, interacting with individuals that are part of a spiritual experience, surrounding myself with people that are speaking the same language because unfortunately speaking to people that don't buy in or that don't want to talk about it whether out of fear or out of i don't know why they wouldn't want to talk about it but not being able to explore is pretty challenging so step one is surrounding myself with like-minded individuals that want to progress me in a very powerful way uh two would be reading. I mean, just some great books out there into uncovering the depths of our own capacity to being part of our spiritual experience. One book that was recommended to me was uh, Vibrational Medicine. And this book just really challenges the Western paradigm into what is health from, you know, we look at it in very physical, but there's so many layers to um, who we are that extend beyond the physical level. And I think that's really where spirituality comes through and where pranic healing and Reiki and even acupuncture connect to that spiritual, etheric, astral worlds outside of us that then connect through to the, the physical being that we are. 
So one is interacting with others that are very spiritual. Two is reading. I mean, The Untethered Soul, another incredible Who's book. Who's the author on that one? Uh, that's Michael Singer. The Untethered Soul, I mean, the basic philosophy of it, and I may botch it, so if you know Michael Singer's listening, and I hope he is because he should be listening because you have an awesome podcast here. Fuck yeah. Yeah, I mean, the best guests ever. No, so the, the, the truth is, he, he talks about you are not your thoughts. You are who sees that which is thinking. And that's like, if you just want to read one page of the book, it would be that. But it goes through how we get outside of that and how we don't see that and how we don't believe that. And then our mind starts telling us that that's what we're thinking. So it becomes a fractal unto itself that that which is doing the observing is actually the self. Mm-hmm. Um, and that's the seed of the soul. So there's, there's some incredible books out there that before I go to sleep at night, I try to read an incredible book on spirituality just to fill my, my conscious as well as my subconscious into what kind of work I want to do when I'm not actually consciously awake. Mm. I love that. How, ma- how, how many pages do you usually get in before you fall asleep? 10 to 12. Yeah, I try, I try and read as well. It's so funny, actually, this this untethered soul the whole approach to it it and i'm gonna get a little graphic here so if you're driving you might want to pull over if you're eating you might want to you might want to swallow that last bit of food but i did a sound like a cacao ceremony last week and there's sound healing after and sound healing for me always gets me in a really deep state of meditation like i always drift off into another galaxy and it's so profound for me and it's, I, I've never really accessed that any other space other than plant medicine, but I had this really visual, real thought. It, it wasn't a thought, it was reality. When I was, when I was like, my eyes were closed in the sound healing and I was just in a different world and I remember thoughts coming in. And every time it was a thought that was distracting me or not serving me, I was reminiscing to my teenage years where I would like pop pimples in the mirror. And I was imagining each pimple as a thought, like a whitehead, not just a normal one. And literally squeezing that shit out and watching the pus hit the mirror, like a fucking destructive thought, letting it leave me and just understanding and seeing like, okay, I acknowledge you. Like I acknowledge you thought I acknowledge you ego. And this is what I'm going to do to you. I'm going to pop your shit. So it was, it was just that, that really made that really triggered that thought. So sound healing for me has been big. I love that. Yeah, it's incredible, especially because they tune the bowls to different frequencies and different frequencies align to different chakras. And so those different chakras will give rise to different effects within the body, you know, and then, you know, the, the Indian cultures of past have come up with even sounds for individual chakras, you know, going starting from Vam all the way up to Om through the channels of the chakras that just that vibrational capacity for you saying it and then hearing it and feeling it as it rises up from the base of your spine up to the crown chakra up top, that these things can release and restore and empower every component of your body through that. It's powerful. I mean, this is this is um, starting to get into Western medicine. We see some orthopedic surgeons using specialized tuning forks at a particular frequency, not just any frequency, but particular frequencies to help regrown bone. 
regrow mm. tissue in order to stimulate those cells to continue to divide and do it at a quicker pace. So I think we're trying to translate a lot of these techniques, like you're saying with you know sound healing, into Western medicine. Um, but it just it takes time. It takes time, and it you know I'd like to be more of a pioneer in incorporating them. Um, you know I don't work for a huge hospital where I have to get approval to start using these things, but understanding that they work and they're powerful. Um, I think advising people on, on their uses is, is incredible. Yeah. I'm wondering because I got to be honest with you, listening to you speak and the conversations we've had, when I found out that you went to B school and like, you've only really been in this headspace for, I guess, 12 years now. Um, it kind of blows me away. All of the knowledge and information that you've accumulated and put into practice you know a lot of people have knowledge but i always say i don't think knowledge is power i think knowledge is potential power because mm. you you can read a bunch of books but if you don't apply any of that if you're not experimenting with any of that then it's not really useful right so you've done an excellent job of not only going to these places and going to these resources accumulating all this but you're actually using it for good and impact which is so powerful but i'm wondering all of this information all of this knowledge like what what is something what is something that dr may where 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 is he struggling what are some shortcomings because your your like stats right now are like if you're a pokemon like i would trade for you in a heartbeat I would do anything to get you. Yeah. I mean, uh, what are what are some of the things I'm struggling in? Uh, I would say in the heart chakra, you know, 38 and single. And while some people would say that's an accomplishment, uh, <laughs> you know, in my, you know, in my own feeling, I feel uh, that I, I don't want to be alone. You know, I'm reading this great book by Robert Johnson, who bases a lot of his teachings on uh, Carl Jung that the the masculine's desire for feminine in his life is truly a desire to be complete and whole and that it's actually a spiritual conquest to being one with himself so you know i have to kind of be vulnerable in that context that yeah i don't feel complete i don't feel whole and my quest for loving another human is my capacity and my desire to project my love onto another so i can perhaps selfishly in turn, love myself that much more. Mm, that's a powerful thought. I hope that made sense. No, completely, completely. <laughs> um, do you feel as though all of the commitment, time, energy, effort that you put into your self-growth, your knowledge, and all of that has maybe contributed towards putting the relationship on a back seat? Or... What, what do you think? What do you, I guess? I guess. Why do girls keep breaking up with me? Is your question? No. Yeah, but no. I I guess what I'm <laughs> diving deep at is because you have such a root cause approach of medicine. I guess I'm trying to find the root cause of these emotions and and feelings, if that makes sense. Yeah. No. Absolutely. Why? Why I feel the desire to love, or what? Not what? that I think we all have the desire to love and to be loved more so more so than the need that the partner will complete you that you're not whole on your own 
Well, I mean, you know, this is a new philosophy that's that's been brought before me and I still have to kind of dissect it and see how it actually fits into my worldview and, you know, everything that I've read up into this point. But it, it certainly is powerful. And I think sometimes when you hear the wisdom, it becomes wisdom. You know, um, I think I, I read a quote uh, recently that said, in order to start becoming wise, have a firm grasp on the obvious first. So, you know, understanding that perhaps that is an obvious concept that to, you know, feel the capacity to love someone else is truly feeling the capacity to love ourselves first. Um, I think that's a, an ingrained concept that needs to become pretty obvious, hmm. you know. Um, but I, I, I just have this sense that I can give so much. I can give so much love to another and I want to start a family. I want to have a little me running around so I can, <laughs> you know, give all of my love to that little munchkin and, you know, see what that looks like and, and just see the beauty of nature and biology expand before my eyes and experience that. I think life is for the experience and growth through it. And I don't know. I, I think my biology has called me into wanting to have progeny, having children. So I'm not there, but you know, if any listeners are looking for a successful doctor. <laughs> Shameless plug. Yeah. Right. Do I need a sponsorship for that? Uh, you might, you might, well, we could talk <laughs> after the show. Um, no, dude, I think everything, every, everything you're saying is so valid and i i mean i'm i'm 10 years younger than you but not to rub it in but i think what i see too is we've like you mentioned earlier we all kind of are operating from this expectation from society whether it's our parents whether it's our friends whether it's our community that you know 18, we graduate high school. Then we go to a college for four years. After college, then we jump into a job. And then at 30, we get the family with a white picket fence and et cetera, et cetera. But everyone's journey is so unique. And I, th I think that's what's beautiful. And, you know, over 50% of marriages end in divorce. And most people are getting married. You know, I don't know the exact age, 30, 32, whatever it is. But I think at that age, we're still, we're still discovering ourselves so much. You know what I mean? And I think the fact that you're doing all of this work on yourself and, and doing everything you're doing is going to allow you to not only be a better partner, be a better lover, be a better father, have more compassion and empathy. Um, but I, I, I see it like as someone with me, you know, I have a lot of friends. Basically, every one of my friends is making more money than I am. Um, but I, at the same time, I feel like I have, I'm way more joyful than them. I'm way more uh, excited about each and every day. For me, I think happiness is the ROI. Like, of course, like I, and I expect to be making more money, but I'm, I'm really prioritizing like adding value, making an impact, building relationships, cultivating community. And I know, I know if I continue operating from my heart chakra and doing that, that it's going to manifest into more income, right? Um, it's, it's only a matter of time. So I appreciate you sh sharing that. Um, I know that stuff can be vulnerable, but I really appreciate that. Yeah, no, hundred percent. I mean, you know, the one thing I hear is that you want to be, uh, or you have a desire to be more, uh, profitable in your endeavors. I have no doubt that you will be. I mean, I've, I've lived 10 years longer than you. 
<laughs> but you know, you have the passion, you have the capacity, you have the people around you that want to see you thrive. I have, I have zero doubt that you are going to rock. You, you, you just have no idea. Um, you know, but I think, you know, one of the things that, uh, I kind of have a firm grip on in the back of my mind is that the worst case scenario, life's amazing with nothing and being, you know, living on a beach somewhere or hiking in a forest when you don't have access to many things, that's almost when we feel the most complete. And, you know, if I can impart the wisdom of, of that upon you, that, that nothing makes us happy if we're not already happy. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I think living our truth and, and feeling connected on a daily basis, that we feel that we're doing the right thing that we can give love to others, that we're interacting in a community of spiritual, like-minded individuals, that we feel well supported by that, and we're bringing joy, love, and compassion into the world. I mean, what more do we really want? Yeah. Other than a partner. Yeah. Yeah, man, and I think the way that, at least for for sure for you, I think for me too, the way, I used to honestly like stress about that too. Sometimes, I mean, I still think about it like in regards to a partner, I'm like, I really, I I really, I think I'm ready for a relationship. And then I travel for a month and I'm like, yo, like I'm, I'm about this single life. I'm not ready for that yet. Um, but, but yeah, I think, I think everything is manifesting the way, like you said, we're the source, Mm. we're the source, like our thoughts become our things. And, you know, I think whatever we set our intention for, whatever we put our energy into will happen the way it's supposed to. Um, and yeah. like, yeah. Yeah. And I think uh, it's really important that if you, I mean, you're doing an incredible job at doing the work and you are supporting yourself with others that are helping you do that, that if you do happen to find a partner, that that person is helping you thrive mm. and not, not helping you thrive. Because I think in concert with what you're trying to achieve, you need support and you need that sense of love and kindness and compassion and just a, a place to go home to that you feel like, wow, I'm the luckiest person on earth that I get to travel with this person and that I get to, you know, share my life experience with this person. And I mean, I'm a very individual type of independent person. So, you know, having even a partner is not something that is the highest desire for me because I like my independence. But having a partner that supports that independence is not mutually exclusive from being in a partnership. And mm-hmm. so having, you know, you, I mean, you keep asking me this question, like that I spent all this time doing all this and learning so much and not having space for it. I think there's always the right time to meet the right person to help you on your path. Yeah. Yeah, man. I think it's true. I think also one thing that has helped me is, just like befriending, like having a lot of females in my group of friends. Like that wasn't something I did in like high school, college, even post. Like I, I feel like I wasn't as open to receiving just their energy and, and they can teach us so much just like having them in our lives. It's crazy. Like, yeah, I feel like if I went through my phone and my, the text from the last month, like 80% of the people I've been talking to have been females because they give me that they give us. I like to read some of those texts. Yeah, yeah. There's some juicy ones. <laughs> <laughs> uh, no, anyways, but uh, 
<laughs> but uh but yeah they can teach us so much i think i think we're constantly evolving i know that i'm excited to continue connecting with you and learning from you and i feel like we might have to have a part two because there's a lot in this hour so much action so much knowledge packed but i want to make sure that we leave time for a little bit of rapid fire oh yeah yeah, I didn't tell you about this. No, All right, not. so I do this with every guest. Um, rapid fire questions. Be quick. You don't need to give me an explanation, all right? Favorite emoji? This one? The hang loose? The, the hang loose one. Hang loose, okay. Cool. I like that one too. Uh, biggest pet peeve? Loud music. Hmm. What yeah. about so you don't go to concerts? I do, but I wear head I wear uh, earplugs. Really? Yeah, no, it's just I, I I can't listen to super loud music and like I'll get into someone's car and turn down the radio and it's very controlling. But I don't know, it's just like ugh, irks okay, me. okay, cool. With, it's with negative sound healing, if you will. With that, with that, with that being said, what is one song that is stuck in your head right now? Ah, uh, well. I, I, I actually have been listening to a lot of Queen because I wanted to go on Saturday night to Adam Lambert is playing with uh, Queen here in, in Florida, in Miami. So I've been listening to a lot of Bohemian Rhapsody. So you're going on Saturday Galileo. Night. Do you have a plus one? Galileo. No, I don't have tickets, but you want to go? Yeah, I'm down. Okay. Let's hit it up. Let's go one of my, I think one of my clients is going. Uh, quote or mantra that you live by? Oh, quote or mantra that I live by? It's got to be shooting from the hip here, huh? spontaneity baby yeah, you gotta be able don't, to don't act out of fear act out of love mm, i like that um book or movie that has impacted you the most wow so i have to go back to my favorite japanese author haruki murakami he has a book called the hard-boiled wonderland and the end of the world uh it is a mind-blowing novel that looks at the conscious and subconscious and how they interact and it turned me on to not only reading more, but I've read every single one of his books. And uh, actually, for my birthday, uh, one of my friends bought me a signed copy of it. So, pretty a uh, signed first edition copy. So that was pretty awesome. When gift. was your birthday? This was like ten years ago. Okay, but December fifteenth. All right, mark that down, folks. December fifteenth. That's like almost close enough. Santiago, my guy, the, this wizard with the video and audio. His birthday is, uh, I think it's December 26th or something. Did I get that right? Yeah. December 26th. So like, he's we'll really, exchange first edition. He's really in a tough spot because he gets no love. It's Christmas. It's New Year's. Everyone's like broke. Everyone's drunk, and everyone forgets my boy Santiago. Just a quick side note. Um, what are you most grateful for right now? I'm grateful for the love of my family, especially my mom. She's the most wonderful, caring, generous, funny human being that I've ever come to know. So I'm super grateful for her. Dude, I fucking love that. I feel the same about my mom. I feel like we're cut from the same cloth. Um, Dr. Jared Mate, man, I want to acknowledge you. I want to acknowledge you because we haven't known each other long, but I've already learned so much from you. And I see, I see the impact that you're creating in the community and in the world. And it's unbelievable to witness somebody doing that and having such good intentions behind their actions. And 
it's a breath of fresh air, man. Just being around you, talking to you and, and you have this aura that you give off and it just, it's like a calm. And I feel like calm is contagious and we need more of that in the world. And I need more of that in my world. So thank you so much for being such a bright light in this world. And yeah, man, thank you for coming on the show. hundred percent. Yeah. I, yeah, I want to give you a quick just chance to where can people connect with you? Cause I know they're going to listen to some of this stuff and they're going to be like, holy shit, I need to connect with Dr. Mate. Where can they do that? Yeah. So you can find me, uh, online at pulse and remedy.com. So spelled out P U L S E A N D remedy R E M E D Y.com. You can find me on Instagram at doc mate. That's D O C M A I T. Or you can find me on Miami beach. I am in one of 10 different places and I won't give them away because I don't want, you know, crazy people out there always looking. No, but the, the truth is that, you know, if you want to find me, call Jeremy and he'll, uh, he'll find you for me. But, uh, you know, I, I, I love the fact that you invited me on the show, uh, to kind of engage with you and hopefully some of your listeners or watchers, um, or viewers out there are able to take a snippet of information. I know that we spoke for a long time, but like my goal is in this world, the only thing I want to do is help people enjoy their lives better. Like that's the purpose and I do it through health. Um, you know, thank God the money follows. So, you know, that's not the struggle right now. Um, but the truth is that that just kind of gets dragged along uh, while the, the purpose is just to help people enjoy their lives. So this is enjoyment for me. And, you know, I'll also acknowledge you. You know, you started one day and uh, here you are. And that because of courage and your own sense of intuition has brought you here. You're not working for someone else. You're not uh, responding to other people's demands, perhaps your clients, but those are your selected clients. And every one of my patients that I've sent to you thinks that you are brilliant, that you've done your homework, that you understand what it is that you're doing for them. And you go above and beyond, you know, you check in with them. Uh, one of my clients even let me know that you checked in, you know, in the middle of the night just to see how she was feeling. And that's above and beyond what, you know, someone perhaps what they think you are in their lives is, but you're a healer and your art is through body mechanics and, you know, teaching people how to be healthier um, through movement. But you are conquering your goals and who knows where that's going to lead. I, I don't see you being uh, approachable for a lot of people in the future. I think that you're going to be kind of sharing your love and your, your guidance to the masses. Thanks, brother. Uh, that means the world. Thank you so much. Um, guys. Please, please take action on what Dr. Maiden and I spoke about today, okay? Because knowledge is not power. You got to put that shit and apply it to your life. So what we're going to do is I want you, okay, on Instagram, post the biggest key takeaway from this episode. We want to know what really struck a chord with you. What resonated? What changes are you going to make? What are you going to do to make your life more happy, more healthy? Tag at DocMate and at Coach Jeremy 305 DocMate, we're going to step his Instagram game up. I'm going to make sure of that. And uh, let us know and we'll shout you out. We want to continue this conversation, continue cultivating this community. And without further ado, you already know what time it is. It's time to get off your ass 
and stand up to sitting. Boom! <laughs>